Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 29 of Pigskins and Nylon. Quick recap show for us. Yesterday was August or October 9th, 2021. We had a great day of Big Ten football. But before we get into that, Hayden, how you doing? Oh, I, I should mention again, Wally is not here. That is why I'm hosting the show. It's not because I did a great job or anything. Anyway, Hayden, how you doing, man? Doing good. We got a, so I had an eventful of Friday and Saturday. We played Van Lee on Friday. It was supposed to be on Friday and we played about six minutes and it started lightning and it never stopped until about uh, midnight. So we waited it out until about 10, 10, 15. And then we decided uh, it's not worth keeping everybody here waiting. We postponed and unfortunately... For me, we played Saturday at 2 o'clock, which was right during the Iowa State game. So I literally... That's the worst. Literally the worst time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got to watch absolutely none of it. So that was that was really cool. But we, we did win pretty handily. It, was, it felt more like a JV game. <laughs> it had that feel to it, just that Saturday football game, but... Got the dub. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Congratulations on the big dub. You guys better be careful now. You're, I I saw on the, I forget, uh, Joe Idol, I think you guys are like sitting at 18 now. You might might squeak your way into the playoffs. There's there's a possibility. We we have some work to uh, take care of on our end. We have a, a tough game uh, coming up this week. We play Liberty Benton, so that'll be tough. But we finished the year off with Riverdale. And they're a couple divisions higher than us, so if we beat them, we would get some additional additional points. And we gotta hope that North Baltimore or one of the other teams that we beat maybe wins a game, and there's an outside chance that we do make the playoffs. So I don't know. We're gonna keep plugging away. We got two more games to go in the regular season, so we'll, wherever we land, that's uh, we'll take it. Yes, sir. I feel you there. We had a game on Friday. As well, like I mentioned, uh, I felt like we should roll that team, and we really did pass for 200 yards, ran for 176. I think we had a a punt return for a touchdown, a pick six. Yeah, it was overall a pretty good game. I mean, they were they were not very good to say the least. We have another opponent this week that hasn't had a very good season, but I don't think we beat them in in a really long time. So it would be interesting how how we come out and practice um, starting tomorrow, really. I haven't looked at Joe Idol today, but I, I feel like you guys are – you've won, won six six games so far. I feel like you guys are, are pretty well positioned for a, a playoff push here. Yeah, I sent you the uh, standings yesterday, and it's razor thin at the 7 through 10 positions. Right now in our division, we are six and two, and we are tenth right now. And our average is nine point four two. The ninth team is nine point five three. The eighth team is nine point five four, and the seventh seed is nine point five seven. So yeah, it's a uh, razor tight there. And I mean, that's I don't really know how the playoff works, but that's got to be a big difference in in hosting a playoff game. I would assume it works just like a regular. Like the March Madness, one that's one play sixteen, 
seven ten, that kind of thing. But I have no idea. This is a new format. Format, yeah, sixteen team format now this year. So I mean, as long as we win out, I think we we'll probably host the playoff game. Anyway, speaking of speaking of football, I guess I, I'm not very good at these transitions like Wally is. Uh, we're we'll go ahead and hop into the uh, first game of the day, and that was. The Ohio State Buckeyes taking care of business against Maryland. Really, this game kind of played out exactly how I I thought it would. I thought Maryland would put up some points, and they had a couple opportunities to put up a few more, but they they didn't execute. Talia did not play his best game, even though, and statistically, he didn't do terrible through the passing game, but he had some. Oh my goodness, I I was texting you. I know I know you didn't get a chance to watch the game, but you got to see that it was fourth and. Two, I think, inside the ten yard line, fumbles a snap. He was just very lackadaisical with his uh, receiving the snap, and I was texting our good buddy Dylan about that too, and he was like, "Yeah, I just didn't know if like the snap was all." And he just looked really lazy, and you'll see that he fumbles his snap and then loses like ten yards. And then there was another time where he just ran out of bounds for like an eight yard loss. It was kind of weird. So I, I mean. I would typically let you talk more, but since you haven't watched the game yet, I guess there's not really much that you can say. So I'll, I'll be giving the recap. My feelings on Ohio State this game, C.J. Stroud looked about perfect. Um, when you watch the game, you'll see he doesn't really miss any throws. Rucker had a drop um, that I can remember, but, I mean, threw for 460 yards and five touchdowns. You can't really complain about that. But you will see the running game struggle really early on, and I know Henderson ended up getting over 100 yards, but that first half, they really weren't getting anything going, and that's when they really leaned on C.J. Stroud in the first half. Maryland side of the ball, I mean, they got no pass rush. It looked like sometimes they just stood straight up and were, like, spying Stroud. It was kind of weird. Which is interesting because Maryland led the conference in sacks through through before this week. I don't know what exact after this week. But that was something – I think they had 18 sacks through five games, which is pretty impressive for them. So I guess I would have expected maybe a little bit of pressure on Stroud, but it doesn't sound like that happened really at all. No, and I think the the big thing is they just tried to sit back in coverage and not let Ohio State beat them deep. And, I mean, Ohio State was just picking them apart. They would, uh, you know, line up real quick and Maryland would show their – coverage and then Ohio State would draw up a play and literally just just to beat the coverage. Maryland didn't do anything defensively to trick Ohio State at all. It was very vanilla. It was very simple. And I mean, that's why Stroud threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of tough. It's kind of tough to talk to you when there when you didn't watch the game. Yeah, I, I do have a question for you. Yeah. So we've been talking these past couple weeks about the defense, I uh, we've talked before how we weren't concerned with this offense, and I think we're to the point where we know how good the offense is and they're going to score points. Was this another game where you would say the defense took more steps forward? Did they kind of stay in the same spot? I don't think they necessarily would, just based on the score, I don't think they went backwards at all. But really, did they take a step forward, or was it kind of a little bit of, I guess, stuck in, in stuck where they are based on the previous couple games? I would say they took a step forward. You're going to see, and we talked about this later on last night, Maryland's running backs really had a decent day. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that guy, the leading rusher's name, but he had nine carries for 71 yards. 
their backup had nine for 41. It was, I mean, they rushed for over 100 yards, but then Talia had negative 61 yards, which brought the, the total way down. But they did get pressured. They did get five, five sacks on the day, which was something that, you know, Ohio State desperately needs once they. Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting on it all year. Yeah. Absolutely. But it wasn't necessarily from, you know, JTT got a sack, Steel Chambers got a sack, Jack Sawyer got a sack, Haskell got a, a half a sack. Overall, it, it was not a bad performance. I would say they got better, yes. And they scored another defensive touchdown. I wasn't even watching the game at the point, at that time, but yeah, five out of six games now, Ohio State scored a defensive touchdown. That's, that's something, I mean, really unheard of. That's, that's kind of crazy. It really is. Crazy, I guess, is the word you can use. I don't know if there's ever been. It would be interesting to go back and look through the years. Like this, I, this has to be a record for straight games of scoring a defensive touchdown. I feel like where are we at five now? Five straight games. Yeah. I I feel like that's that has to be some sort of record at no, Ohio it's, State it's or four. It's four four straight games four straight, five, and five out of yeah. six. I yeah. feel I still feel like that has to be at least some sort of record maybe at Ohio State for defensive touchdowns because that just doesn't happen. Yeah, and I guess the only thing that like the the only defense that I can think of was that twenty was it twenty sixteen Ohio State with Malik Hooker. That that defense scored a lot of a lot of touchdowns. That's the last defense that I could think. That that I guess this this reminds me of. But do you have anything else on on this game? I know you you haven't watched it yet and it's kind of difficult to really give an opinion when you don't when you haven't watched it yet? No, I'm just, I, like I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I'm going to go watch this game probably here before the uh, 1 o'clock NFL game start. I, I guess it, just based on the score, it does look like uh, the defense is still trending in that right direction that Ohio State needs. It sounds like defensive line got a little bit of pressure, which is much, much needed, like you said. Other than that, I, I think this bye week is coming at a decent time for Ohio State. Garrett got banged up a little bit. It sounds like hopefully he'll be ready to go and they'll get some guys that have been injured really the whole year, hopefully back and ready to go as they go through the toughest part of their schedule here in the next few weeks. One of those tough teams that they have to play is the Michigan State Spartans, who was the other the other noon game yesterday. They they came in, they took care of business. I, I started watching this game after Ohio State started to pull away in the Maryland game. It it just seemed like Rutgers just could not get over like they were they were close. They just couldn't punch it in when they needed to. They couldn't get a stop when they needed to. And then Kenneth Walker's big ninety four yard touchdown run really just, you know, put the game out of hand for Rutgers. But man, here we go again. This Peyton Thorne, Kenneth Walker the third duo is just is it that good i don't i don't know who else to ever compare that to does this duo remind you of any other elite duos in in the past of the big 10 it's difficult not really off the top of my head but we've been talking about kenneth walker and how he is going to be a problem in the big 10 once again that in credit to their offensive line and everything like that, but another, he had 232 yards on the ground. I don't care. I mean, I I guess I understand that it's Rutgers, but that's still really impressive. Rutgers, we've said this before, is not the team that is, they've been the past few years. They're, they're improved. So to be able to do this on a team that at least has some sort of pulse is great for Michigan state. 
And it's looking like I, I know they have a game against Indiana, I believe, next week, which they should take care of business there. It's looking like here in a couple weeks that Michigan Michigan State game is going to be top 10 undefeated teams going into that, which is going to be really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State are our buys next week, which I completely agree with you. Perfect time during the season to have a buy. And then Michigan plays Northwestern while Michigan State is on a buy. But I, I think I read on – this game was on BTN, and one of the stats was this is only the fifth time in FES history where a quarterback has thrown for 300 yards – a running back has rushed for over 200 yards, and a receiver has over 200 yards because Jalen Naylor had himself a day. He had five receptions for 221 yards and three touchdowns. Um, man, Rutgers' defense just couldn't do anything. They had zero sacks. They couldn't get any pressure. Michigan State had four sacks on Noah Vedrill. And, man, Vedrill, Vedrill just cannot throw the ball past 10 yards. It's just, It's a struggle for them. They didn't really get anything going in the running game. Rutgers is going to get some wins against some teams this year, but that, that was a rough stretch that they just had. Thankfully, they get Northwestern next week, bye week, and then Illinois. So hopefully Rutgers can compete to get to bowl eligibility this year after such a promising start. Transitioning to another team, two teams, I guess, that are going to battle to get bowl eligible this year. Wisconsin traveled to Illinois yesterday. Pretty boring, boring game. Wisconsin ended up winning 24 to nothing. They absolutely dominated in the run game. Rushed for 391 yards on the ground. Averaged 6.4 yards per rush. While Illinois had 93 total yards. I don't know why I had any faith that Illinois would be able to score this game because I'm pretty sure I took the over. But, man, what a, what a brutal offensive performance yesterday it was for for Illinois I'm not sure Brandon Peters got injured yesterday but he only passed seven times and then Art Sitkowski was eight of 27 on the day and I remember I texted in the group chat that he started out 0 for 12 so just, just really brutal for the Illini Wisconsin this was a get right game I'm really glad that they were able to finally pull through, even though Illinois is not really a team to brag about beating or anything. But, hey, do you have any takeaways from this game? Yeah, my biggest takeaway is that you took Illinois plus 10.5, I think. And <laughs> did, did you not? I don't remember doing that. Oh, God. I'm almost I sure that you did. I, I got to no, double check. Because no, no, no. I, had, I had Wisconsin winning, like, so the over-under was 41.5 or something. I think I had Wisconsin winning like 35-10, to 10, I believe. I'll, I'll double-check on that, but I don't think I took Illinois plus 10.5 because I had a great day yesterday. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. So you did take Wisconsin. Good, because I was going to make fun of you. The thing that both of us did it, I don't know why, we both took the over, and I feel like looking back, that was like the worst thing that we ever could have done. Like, why do we expect either team – to score <laughs> especially Illinois that offense is horrible and, and going against we've talked about Wisconsin's defense being the record's not good but that Wisconsin defense is still pretty good it's just the offense for them it's horrible so that was I'll take the L on that that was the worst bet that I had this weekend over 42 42 and a half in that game yeah it wasn't good for either one of us Hayden so I'm right there with you but transitioning from that to the biggest game of the Big Ten season by far 
it lived up to the hype, man. I watched this game to the end. Penn State traveled to Iowa and Clifford gets hurt and that that was basically the ball game. It was it was if, if Iowa could produce enough on offense to, to score because with Iowa's defense playing so well and a backup quarterback, I'm pretty sure he's a, a young guy too. You know, it just seemed like the perfect storm for Iowa to pull out this victory. I know you and I <laughs> had already congratulated Wally when Penn State jumped out to that early lead. And it really it ended up being a very brutal day for Wally. And this game was just the worst. I'm pretty sure he went 0-3 in this game. But, you know, it was a fantastic game. It played out exactly how I thought it would. Very tight game, very back-and-forth game throughout most of the game, I guess. But, Hayden, what were your takeaways from this big-time Big Ten matchup? Ooh, I like that. Big-time Big Ten matchup. That's good. No, I, I, I think my biggest takeaway from this game is that both of these defenses are really good. They force mistakes. They force turnovers. And, and just thinking about the game, and Iowa didn't really capitalize. Clifford threw a pick on like their first offensive play at, at their own seven or eight-yard line. And Iowa wasn't able to, you know, cap that off with a touchdown. But that's what Iowa does is they they force you to get in these positions where either you're unsure of what you're doing or you're rushed or pressured, and then you turn it over. And they've they've lived on that all year. And that's it seems like it's it's more than a trend now. They're whenever you play Iowa, they are going to force you into these positions that are going to cause chaos, and that usually does not turn out well for the offense. Penn State, hopefully, I don't know the status of Sean Clifford. I don't know if it's like a severe injury or if he'll be back or what, but uh, for their sake, they better hope that that he gets back because while I mean, he did throw a couple picks in this game, it, it's clear that he is the best quarterback on the roster. And with their lack of running game that they've had this year, really, they they will need him for this this Big Ten East you know division. There's There's no way around that. So if he's if he is not healthy, that's that's going to be a problem for them. You mentioned that um, Penn State can't get anything going in the rushing game. Their leading rusher was Sean Clifford with thirty six yards, and you know one, unless you have Lamar Jackson, that's not good. No, no, that is not good. You know one stat that I I really don't understand is the QBR rating because Clifford went 15 of 25, which isn't terrible, 146, zero touchdowns and two picks, had a QBR of 94.1. I I don't understand how where you get that from. And in comparison, CJ Stroud's day, he had a 98. And then Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne's was a 95. Like it just it just doesn't I don't know. I was off track. I just It's one of those baffling things that no one quite understands what a QBR is. Yeah, and Petrus was pretty similar in completion percentage, had more yards, threw two touchdowns to one pick, and his QBR was 50. I just don't get it. Whatever. But anyway, big matchup. It lived up to the hype. I, I really do. I come away with this game thinking that I still believe Penn State is either one or two in the conference. I think they have the best shot to beat Ohio State if Clifford is healthy. They have to find something in the run game. Noah Kane averaged less than two yards per carry. I don't know. What are your final thoughts with this game, Hayden? You mentioned that you think Penn State is one or two in the conference. I'm curious. I would like to hear your order. Now, it doesn't have to be every team, but maybe like a top five. Because where would you rank Iowa in that? Would you put them at number one? 
I mean, based on, I, I have two different rankings. Performance-based, so who you beat and how you looked. And then I have a potential ranking, I guess. And in that ranking, Ohio State is number one. Ohio State is starting to click. They are going to probably win the Big Ten, in my opinion, still, even after that loss to Oregon. If I'm going by performance, who you beat in base, your schedule, all that kind of stuff, Iowa would be number one. And then I think I would have Michigan or Michigan State to Ohio State and then Penn State just because of the losses. But as far as potential, I think Ohio State is still the clear favorite in the Big Ten. Just thinking about this game, I give Iowa a ton of credit. And I don't see anyone really on the rest of their schedule that they're going to lose to. I think they're going to go into the Big Ten. And you you called this, dude. They're, I think they're going to go into the Big Ten championship game undefeated. I don't want to say in spite of their offense, but it's because their defense is so, so good that it gives their offense so much flexibility and, you know, th- that they're not producing at the greatest level, but it's okay because that defense is so good that they're going to hold teams, you know, under 20 points or whatever the case may be. So I would have Iowa right up there, probably at number one right now in the conference. I just looked up their schedule real quick and every, they should be favored in every single game, but they do have two tricky road trips. Gosh, man, that October 30th weekend is just is just going to be awesome. Iowa travels to Wisconsin that day. And, I mean, basically that game will determine who wins the Big Ten West. And then they get, you know, they go on the road to Northwestern. That should be a win. That's that's a terrible Northwestern team. They get Minnesota and Illinois at home before traveling to a probably pretty hostile environment in Nebraska at the end of the year. So, you know, they could slip up in one of those two games, but they should be favored in every single one of them. But speaking of Nebraska, our final game was a nightcap, Michigan at Nebraska. You know, I've said in our group text that I hope the Michigan-Nebraska game lives up to um, what the Penn State and Iowa game did. And it did. It really did. It looked like Michigan had opportunities in the first half to run away with this game. I should mention that they ended up winning 32-29. But uh, give credit to Nebraska. They fought. They came back in that third quarter and really – really made this an interesting game at the end. But I was re-listening to our podcast, or our preview show, and Hayden, you were spot on. You said Adrian Martinez is going to have a turnover in the game that will prove costly. And there it was, 29-29, trying to fight for extra yards and fumbles and gives Michigan great field position before they can um, kick the game-winning field goal. But before we get too deep into it, or before I do, I guess, Hayden, what are your thoughts on this game? I feel bad for Adrian Martinez because he was, like you said, he's fighting for the extra yards. He's trying to help his team out. And unfortunately for them, the ball pops out, fumble, uh, Michigan gets it. I, it's just, it feels like that's the story of his life so far in college football is like, he just, there's ups, but then there's these really bad downs that prove super costly for his team. This game, it's like, this, this Michigan team is, is, kind of strange to me it's like the tale of two halves and we said it about the Rutgers game you could kind of say it a little bit last week and then you can say it again this week they you know they were up 13 nothing at halftime and it looked like there was potential for this game to get out of hand then all of a sudden in the second half Nebraska starts making plays AJ Martinez has some ups has some ups you know scoring some points making some plays and then he has his downs it's just it's a good win for Michigan you know, it's a, it's a good win. Anytime you go on the road in conference, especially at night, it's a good win. 
this Michigan team is confusing, I guess is the word that I'll use. Sometimes they look like really, really good, and there's other times where it seems like, not that they look bad, but they, they I don't know if they lose focus or things happen where that don't seem like they should happen, if that makes sense. So, you know, like I said, great win on the road. Anytime you do that, I'm angry because they did not cover the three and a half, but life goes on. Yeah, I believe that you had you and Wally both had the under in this game too, if I remember correctly. You're right. So you go one and two. I think Wally goes two and one. Except I had the super lock though. The super lock lives on another week, so that helps yeah. me out a little bit on this game. But yeah, I went two and one on this game too. Just my final thoughts, I guess, on this game. Michigan was a lot more balanced this game, which was nice to see that they had the capability of, you know, passing the ball. And really, I know we talked about it earlier, like they, they need to put in McCarthy. McNamara missed some throws that you should not miss if you're the starting quarterback at Michigan. Even though, you know, there were a couple of times where he put the ball right on the money and um, his receivers dropped it. But I just think McCarthy gives you that extra element. They did get him in there to run the ball a few times. But it was it was nice to see a lot of balance from Michigan. They passed for 255 and ran for 204 against a defense that we thought was was really good. And uh, I know Wally is really high on um, Nebraska's defense, but Michigan really seemed like they did whatever they wanted. But I want to give credit to Nebraska for one fighting back, and then two, man, their their creativity and their offensive play calling really allowed them to hang around. It looked like Michigan was out of place when Nebraska really took advantage and uh, gained a lot of their yards. Like, I, I cannot believe that Martinez threw for 291 yards on this team. And it seemed like Martinez also had very timely third-down conversions running the ball. And I thought that was something that, you know, Michigan would focus on more because they understood that you know, Martinez isn't very good at throwing the ball. But... um it was a really weird game. I never really thought, even though Nebraska took the lead twice late in the game, I never really felt like Michigan was going to lose just because they played so much better throughout the whole game. And I I don't know. It was just a weird game. Really good. to I, That that place was electric. I mean, my goodness, that was a, that was a pretty good environment there. Um, so anytime you can go on the road against a pretty decent team and get a win, it's um, – is is good for me. Do you have any final thoughts on that game, Hayden? No, just just the fact, like just like you said, it's it's a great win on the road. Anytime you get those, you'll take them in this conference. Well, all right then. So next week we have a lot of the the top teams have a lot of buys. Penn State doesn't play next week. Michigan doesn't play next week. And Ohio State doesn't play next week. We don't have any ranked matchups. We don't assume that the AP poll will come out here in a couple hours, but I don't think we're going to have any ranked matchups. So we'll, you know, we'll get into those games on Thursday. But Hayden, do you have any final thoughts, man? I don't really have any final thoughts. I'm, I'm looking forward to a nice, relaxing day of uh, watching some football. So NFL's great product always delivers. Yeah, I'm actually going to. Uh, Get ready to go to a pumpkin patch here with Warren. Hopefully get some food. I am starving. But I guess I have a question for you. How far do you think Penn State drops? Is Penn State ahead of Ohio State? Is that a better is that a better loss than Ohio State's? Or are they gonna kinda take into consideration how much Ohio State has improved since that game? And then also I guess we can throw that in there. How far do you think Bama drops? 
with that last second field goal lost to Texas A&M last night. I don't know. That, that, that Penn State question is interesting. They were number four going into this, right? So I, I, you can't imagine that they're going to drop very far. Maybe just a couple spots. But the, the good thing is that'll settle itself here in a couple weeks when those two teams play. So not going to get too worked up. I would guess, man, if I had to guess, I would probably say that Ohio State will be one spot ahead of Penn State. Just a guess. Is Ohio State the highest ranked one loss team? This, this will be the top five. Okay, ready? It'll be Georgia at one. Iowa will be two. Texas A&M will jump all the way to number three because they beat Bama. And Alabama will stay at four or, or drop the four. And, you know, obviously I'm kidding, but that's just the way it seems to work out. Alabama will be the highest ranked one loss team, I think. I think people just have a higher standard or whatever you want to call it for them that, that they, they'll they be the highest one loss team. So I would predict that they'll be at like five or something. If that is the case, and we don't think that Penn State drops out of the top ten, Big Ten's going to have five of the top ten teams in the country next next week. Well, here in a couple hours. With BYU losing last night, Michigan, you got to think Michigan State's going to jump up to number ten at least. And, I mean, we'll see how far Penn State and Alabama drop, but you got to assume they're both going to stay in the top ten. So that'll be really interesting. I'm pretty sure that was the first time that we've had five of the top 11 in, like, a really long time. So, you know, this is an awesome Big Ten season so far. It's lived up to the hype. And I can't wait for the next few weeks to kind of settle itself out. Got some big matchups that I'm really looking forward to. But yeah, so that'll conclude the episode 29 recap show of Pigskins and Nylon. Make sure you follow us on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram page at PNNPod. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. And see you next time.